I V M. a brand new episode of the Musafir Stories India's very own travel podcast where each week we share the journey of travelers in their own words and relive their experiences with you our listeners Hi guys welcome to a brand new conversation on the Musafir Stories I'm your host Saif with my co-host Faiza and before kicking off the episode a couple of quick announcements A very hearty congratulations to Somdeep Kundu from West Bengal on being the lucky winner of our contest from last episode. Thank you for your lovely email and sharing some wonderful snippets about life in your town of Adra in Purulia district, West Bengal. Your copy of the book, The Autograph Seeker by Tony Francis, should arrive in your mail very soon. We'll reach out to you with more details. Also a quick shout out to Arjun Narayanan and Siddharth Saxena for writing in to us. We appreciate your love and support guys. As for today's episode, we talk to Vishwas Raj, founder of the travel company Adventures in Bad. Adventures in Bad offers a multitude of adventures across the Himalayas, be it hiking, cycling, whitewater rafting, or fun family trips. Let's hop on to the episode and find out more. Hello Vishwas a really gloomy and a rainy evening here in Bangalore where are you <laughs> How are you Vishwas and uh, tell us hi, where you are uh, reporting from <laughs> Yeah hi Faza hi uh, Saif I should say Julie actually because I am reporting from Leh <laughs> uh, I am so happy that uh, <laughs> Wi-Fi is working in Leh after like you know two years of uh, bad Wi-Fi so uh, It's almost towards the end of the season, you know, the tourists are thinning and uh, I'm excited to be on, on your platform and I almost feel like a little celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. But uh, yeah, uh, before you make our uh, listeners more curious, uh, tell us what you're up to in Leh. Well, uh, I run a travel company. It's called Adventure Sinbad uh-huh. and um, I've been in the, in the adventure travel field for a long time. It's almost 11 years now. I started off as a uh, as a novice in 2008 you know I I am from Bangalore and uh, I followed the crowd <laughs> I did my engineering <laughs> got campus placed uh, got a regular corporate job I thought the world had arrived uh-huh. I I happened to work for about two and a half years uh, with an IT company a pretty popular one okay. and I decided that Uh, it's not happening you know i mean uh, i was getting more comfortable you know you know you you start earning more pretty fast uh, <laughs> then i realized that uh, if i get too comfortable then it'll be very difficult getting out so that's when i call it quits and uh, i had to you know deep dive into what i really loved as a kid uh-huh. and growing up and then i realized that uh, i had you know my passion lay with uh, with adventure with, with the mountains mm. and uh, i came up north So that's how I started and then um, and after about 9 years in the field then I decided that okay 
I think I know enough, and uh, this is a good time to start yes. off something of my own. So, so tell us, yeah, tell us a little bit yeah. more about um, Adventure Sindbad, right? Uh, in terms of, um, say, how you differentiate yourself from. Uh, there's a number of other tour operators also, right, in the region that focuses on this adventure, climbing, etc. Uh, how does Adventure Sindbad uh, differentiate itself from uh, those competitors? Yeah, yeah. For a for a customer, it's very difficult to find out where you know which operator to go with. Exactly. Uh, the first differentiation is you know uh, we have we come with a lot of I myself come with a lot of experience. Sure. And our team, the team with we with, with which we work, they have a they have immense experience. They they have more experience than me actually. I actually sign up people, get people on board because most of them are people I've worked with for many many years. Mm-hmm. If there is somebody coming on board, I make sure that. He knows something more than me, mm. uh, you know, and that is one one thing. And mm. uh, so there's a lot of experience and we've seen a lot of a lot of other regions in the Himalaya. Uh, we assess risk better because we have seen a lot of shit happening, you know, and we know that uh, if we don't go with necessary precautions, yep. it could lead to damage. Exactly. Uh, so we we are different uh, because we have a very experienced team mm-hmm. and safety is our number one priority. Right. Uh, so talking of safety, we have to reduce the group sizes also. Sure. So we never ever take more than 12 people in the mountain. You know, our group sizes are restricted to only 12. Okay. And if we have more, we'll have to split them into two groups. Okay. Two groups with separate separate crews, you know, separate, you know, trip leader, uh, kitchen team, tents, you know. Only for camping groups where we are camping at one place and do, doing day hikes is when we accept bigger groups. That's when families come in with kids and all that, mm. uh, multiple families. That's when we have a group, big group size. Mm. Otherwise, if it's a trek, uh, it's always restricted to 12. Okay. It becomes, uh, one thing is, uh, it becomes easier for us to manage because the safety is a big concern. Mm-hmm. And one important aspect in terms of the guests is their experience is so much more richer. Mm-hmm. So that is that that is one more way we are different. And one last thing is the company is a reflection of my own personality. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I have a insatiable wanderlust, and I'm always looking out for these exotic places uh-huh. in different nooks of the Himalaya to explore. Right. So slowly, I want, I wish to, you know, put up these itineraries as we go ahead. You know, mm. theme-based trips, mm-hmm. uh, not just trekking. Uh, we will be slowly branching off into other other kinds of trips. So this our uh, maiden trip, I think, that we'll be talking about was the. Changtang photography trip, uh, yeah. which has been a pet project for a long time. Exactly. So, yeah, I just want to use that uh, segue also because I feel uh, the best way to uh, speak for what you do is by uh, sharing one of your trips, right? One of your experiences with a group. And uh, uh, for me, uh, Changtang was um, really special too because it's um, tied to the Pashmina shawls. So, yeah, we can speak more about that. But just lay it out for us a little bit in terms of. Uh, geographically where it is located also and uh, the speciality of uh, Changtang too um, yes 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 so so Changtang is um, is like a region in the Himalaya mm-hmm. uh, which extends uh, which is part of Ladakh it is a very high plateau mm-hmm. you know at with an average altitude of about 4500 meters and it's it's like a vast plateau which extends into Tibet and it has beautiful lakes uh, cobalt turquoise lakes Yep. Um, uh, some amazing mountains and some bewitching scenery and the home of mm-hmm. the nomads you know the, this is these are the lands where the nomads roam right these are uh, the, the Changpas, right You're speaking exactly of? yeah 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 so anybody from changtang would be called a changpa okay. and uh, from the changpas there is a there is a community who rear the pashmina sheep 
so so this is where pashmina comes from the, the you know the prized kashmir uh, mm-hmm. from where uh, you get the best of uh, shawls yeah. uh, kashmir is where the best artisans come from yeah but the raw material comes from this area yeah actually, and uh, actually, Faisal's uh, eyes light up when you <laughs> say pashmina uh, but yeah go on i'm, I'm sorry to interject yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah it is it is same as all over the world but uh, i was always intrigued by you know because we had a i used to work with a person who was a nomad mm. you know he used to go around with his what about 500 to 800 uh, goats and sheep oh. um, in the in the changtang area and he left that to to pursue a career in in adventure I know and from that time you know when when he used to recall how what it is like to go down in, in these uh, vast lands mm-hmm. uh, you know it was like a dream I used to, you know it was like a television going on my mind like a video <laughs> and from those days I've always been keen on you know going to these uh, places because first of all most of these places were restricted they lie in the inland very close to the chinese border true okay so for a for a long time it was not even open to indians okay. only about 3 4 years ago did home ministry open the some of the regions mm-hmm. where indians could travel and from then on it's become very famous that's when uh, you know all this idea of setting up a trip uh, did arise okay. and even now uh, some parts are restricted to foreigners only indians can go can go in okay. and of course there are some parts which are very close to the border and very exotic in in terms of locations and uh, and the kind of communities that uh, gather there but even indians can go Okay. Uh, forget Indians. Even the local Ladakhis can't go. Just uh, it is open to the uh, nomadic uh, community. Okay. Uh, yeah, they are generally referred to as Rebo because uh, Rebo means the yakul okay. uh, that they use yakul tents. You know, so uh, okay, so normally these guys uh, make these huge tents of yakul, and they were they refer they are referred to as Rebo. You know, but now slowly these yakul tents are phasing out because they're very heavy mm. and very difficult. Take and and transport, okay. and now animal husbandry department have given them you know uh, easy tents, mm-hmm. the smaller white color and uh, the army color. Uh, okay. They use that, okay. but some of them still uh, use the rebo tents. It's uh, this is very interesting. Yeah. And Vishwas, so, uh, in terms of a person who's going there, do we need an uh, extra permit or any such document? Yes, yes, yes. Even yeah, for everybody going there except the Ladakhis, mm-hmm. uh, you require the places that we visit, which is part of our itinerary. We need a inner line permit mm-hmm. or a restricted area permit for foreigners. Okay. So that can be done from the district administration here, the DC's office in Leh, mm-hmm. and it takes just a day. All this uh, is taken care of by Adventure Sindbad. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so how's the trip now? You've um, kind of give us given us a good context about um Changthang and the nomadic Changpa uh, tribes there as well as the very prominent uh, pashmina wool that comes out of there right um in terms of uh, planning a trip to Changthang say uh, what kind of preparation goes in and uh, how is the how's the trip usually how long is it for see we started preparing like one year before <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and 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 more before that we were reading up about changtang you know some in some parts are still not open mm. so the beauty of changtang is uh, it is very hot in the summers mm-hmm. and can get very uh, and pretty windy in 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 the mornings and evenings when the sun goes down mm. and uh, the in the winters it is even more extreme we have still not gone in the winters that's that's a plan that is uh, on the cards for the future mm-hmm. mostly this winter okay. but um, so our recce started about you know uh, one year ago mm-hmm. so the thing with nomads is they keep moving right. and they and there are different uh, nomads in different parts of changtang so 
the Pangong Lake, Somariri Lake, and a lot of area in between. Mm-hmm. They're all Changtang. And uh, and they're restricted. They move around in one area, you know. Mm-hmm. So there are like uh, about four or five circles of nomads. They move in one area. And you'll have to know exactly where they are at which point of the year. Okay. So finding this out was quite a challenge because a lot of people don't know yeah. where they are yeah. unless you're a nomad yourself, you know. Exactly. So, and this is not something that your uh, guidebooks will give you as well, right? You need somebody exactly, experienced. Exactly. Yes, 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 yes. Even even, the, even my friend who is a nomad yeah. wouldn't know the, the, the patterns of uh, nomads from Karnak. You know, which is a different area. Okay. Um, uh, I, you know, so he he's a nomad from the Nyoma side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he knew their pattern. But even then, because he had not done the whole year with them uh, recently. So he didn't know. So we, we had to know which areas were good for guests to take. Mm-hmm. And uh, and where will they be at this point of time? You know, right. and uh, are there anything special? So that was a challenge, you know. So we did, we started doing a recce like one year ago, se- September of last year. And then we went went around in a Maruti car everywhere, uh, <laughs> van uh, and cross high passes. Then, so it was fun. It was fun doing that. But then we got to know the moving patterns of a few nomads in, uh, especially the Nyoma side, okay. and uh, some other some other places um, because they have they are they are it's an exotic community and the way they live is is very Spartan. Mm. They have uh, nothing much except. Their uh, goats and sheep and a lot of milk products, okay. you know. So and there is no connectivity at all, mm. and they keep mowing. And uh, depending on the the pastures, they decide that okay, the pasture is getting low here. Now it is time to move. So it normally happens around the same time. Okay. So uh, that's how we chop the itinerary, and then uh, this time uh, we were very happy that you know it came to life. Mm-hmm. Uh, August was the uh, you know we ran the trip actually. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, yeah, some interesting insights there as well in terms of uh, what goes into the planning. Um, now, in terms of uh, starting out the journey, right, um, oh, just, Vishwas? Uh, before that, Vishwas, I have one question to ask. Um, yes, yes. A lot of time we've heard stories about certain nomads or tribes not being that welcoming to people who come there uh, and want to understand or talk to them. Uh, how about the Changpas? Uh, well, it is, it is true. Um, uh, that is also part of the recce because you know we 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 like to touch base first mm-hmm. and make a warm connector before we get guests. So yeah. we at least know a few nomads who will be welcoming to us. Okay. Um, and normally, uh, what we have seen is you know they become they are not welcome when there are so many tourists coming in. You know, yeah. when a place becomes very commercial, very touristy. Right. So we wanted to strictly avoid those places, yeah. and uh, that's what we did. And uh, we were actually very uh, surprised by how welcoming uh, the nomads were at some points. It's a a fine line, right? It's a fine line between um, being intrusive versus um, being friendly and trying to understand their culture. So I think that's also a very important aspect of uh, making sure, like for the uh, overall experience, both for them and for your guests to be like ideal. It's very important that that's taken care of as well. Yes, 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 yes. Because this, uh, because it was a photography trip. Our main uh, objective mm. was to document their lives. Right, right. Because it is fast changing. Because the kids don't want to do this, you know, uh, to roam around with uh, sheep and goat where there is no Wi-Fi. Right, you know, right. because the kids come from a different age. You know, slowly we see a shift in this this whole uh, trade mm. and you know uh, this whole way of life. 
and i think the next generation will be very different you know i actually think this is like the last generation which will be witnessing this in the, in the, in the little true form that it, it still exists mm. um like going forward i think things will change okay. and things will become more modern or scientific or you know there will be a technology coming into the whole system people will be concentrating on how do we produce more bashpina mm. than just the beauty of of the nomad community you know yeah so we had also <laughs> sensitize people about uh, yeah. like you said about not being intrusive you know yep. we had to become friends first and then uh, request them that can we shoot yep. and then some some people said yes some people said no mm-hmm. but most did agree towards the end okay interesting awesome so in terms of um, as i was asking right in terms of um, setting out you guys are obviously based in uh, le right that's where you start yes. off your uh, group uh, your trips from yeah yeah uh, because most of the changtang is you know at 4500 meters you know you need yep. uh, adequate acclimatization so we we put in at least 3 days mm-hmm. of uh, acclimatizing in lay in which we go to a different high points okay. and we cover basic highlights here and you know some other nooks especially in the old lay town mm-hmm. and after that we we head out towards uh, changtang okay yeah so our first location was just next to a very beautiful lake we take them to somoriri first actually you know t- telling the truth it it is a, it is pretty touristy but then we are not camping in somoriri we are camping quite behind okay. uh, it's uh, the pool where the you no know, mud set uh, there are some tracks which end there mm. and it's a huge ground it's a massive ground mm-hmm. it's it's one of the biggest nomad community around you know mm-hmm. so easily around 40 50 tents spread out in the ground you know mm. you'll not be able to uh, count them so we camp a little close but a little away too mm-hmm. from them mm. and then our whole day is you know evolved around and what they do okay so they are very early risers 4:30 5 in the morning you see smoke coming out of tent so you know somebody has got up somebody is making tea uh, salt tea or you know cooking for the day the first few nomads you know get off go off with the sheep you know as early as 7 Mm. so our whole day is you know to document how their normal day looks mm-hmm. so the starting from uh, like early morning till late evening you know we were just chasing the nomads mm. uh, in different parts mm-hmm. yeah, and and uh, talking a little bit more about um, the nomads right uh, draw out for us a little bit about their life as well vishwas like uh, what goes on yeah. in their uh, day to day life because you're trying and documenting this as well right uh, so how yes. how is it um, when you say it's unique uh, what are the things that are involved and uh, uh, like how do they sustain themselves given these uh, extreme conditions that they live in and also i would like to know what got you interested in them <laughs> see i've always been drawn towards spartan lives you know uh-huh. uh, like how how can you live with so little yeah. and yet so happy so that first actually drew me to the himalaya first mm-hmm. and then i realized this this community actually practices here for their richness is their land you know mm-hmm. the their home which is so beautiful actually when you start staying with them you realize uh, how much you take for granted yeah. uh, i mean how much of your you know luxuries that you take for granted you know you think that this is a necessity yeah. and how little they have but how happy they are you know and uh, they don't miss that these these nomads no mm-hmm. like when when we documented the daily lives yeah. we don't see them missing uh, what they don't have because they don't know that they don't have that uh, i'll give you some snippets uh, mm-hmm. about what we uh, what we saw yeah 
the only wealth is uh, pashmina of course which is read once a year sometime in june uh, and most of it is bought by the government and then it's uh, it's exported to places like kashmir where the final product product is done and the rest of the their thing is they subsist on milk and milk products okay uh, it is the goat milk and then uh, they make cheese out of it they make uh, churpe which is called, uh, they make paneer they make lassi mm-hmm. and you know all kinds of milk products mm-hmm. and most of the day is involved in processing those milk products mm-hmm. the, so the normal day is like you have this tent and they have these ferocious dogs okay. always uh, uh, guarding it and they're all tibetan masters you know botia okay. dogs uh-huh. they call uh, they're almost tigers yeah uh, you know the way they look Yeah, it's not uh, your uh, usual dogs that yeah, you go yeah. and pet around, right? <laughs> no, I no, 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 not at all. They're very ferocious. Uh, you, maybe you can pet them in a different location. Yeah. But with the sheep near the rebo tent, they are very, very ferocious. You can't even ha- approach them. Like no, you have to be very careful approaching them from hundred meters. Yeah. In in Korzok, it's a different case because I think uh, people have been visiting, mm-hmm. but in some other locations. we had to be very careful uh. Mm-hmm. uh we were chased in a vehicle when we were in a vehicle like 100 meters from marebo and you know like the, oh my god okay. we actually have this dog charging at us you know oh. like it's like a wolf yeah. and then the dust is going up you know so it, it is very very uh, dangerous mm. so we always had somebody you know we went in groups and then uh, the first thing of course is milking once they get up they start milking the goats and that is a sight to watch because uh, some they have to separate the the male and female the milking ones mm-hmm. and uh, and they're always running uh, you know it, it's like it's almost a sport and it's a lot of physical activity and then they're all tied up you know neck to neck it's like it's almost like a like a plate you no know, like a like girls plate uh, that's how the the goats look when they're all tied up and uh, there are two people milking from both sides you know and then as soon as the milking activity is over they are released and then that's when they start going into the mountains mm. so from each family there are there are there is one person who takes a goat and every family would have anything between 100 to maybe 800 yeah mm. or sheep also mixed and everybody goes to different parts of the mountain you know so they have regions so once they start going around 8 8 is when one when they start moving way into the mountains so they are off for the whole day then the goats are off normally there is one shepherd Uh, for each group so all these are gone and mostly the people there's one person who stays back in the tent uh, to guard the tent uh, and maybe uh, sometimes the dogs go with the with the sheep and there'll be one one dog maybe around the tent okay so those guys cook for the day take care of the other you know what what to do with the milk mm-hmm. you know milking part right and do the daily activities you know cleaning up and all that mm-hmm. and they cook for the persons who uh, who will come back Sure. at least the evening we followed the shepherds for a while okay. but they go very far off you know they they move very fast mm. and they go, they cover a vast distance in just a day so we were able to you know be with them for just a while just till the light is good and then we used to come back and rest mm. and uh, just follow the activity inside the tent Mm-hmm. so the tent it's also is just a small space okay. and it's like you have the the kitchen the dining mm. the puja room and the the sleeping room everything put into one tent one area 
but once you go inside it's all distinct you know you know you know exactly okay this is the puja place there's mm-hmm. always a place for puja you know and they're all buddhists so it is it is very uh, heartening to see that they always give the the biggest place for the, the altar there is a small kitchen uh, there are actually two kitchens one is with a gas cylinder mm-hmm. and one is with, where they can use uh, okay. the dry gobar to to heat the room and cook also mm. so always two stoves mostly they are they're in the in the middle of the tent and both sides of the tent is free space that's where they sleep and that's where you eat mm-hmm. and so that's it that is their home okay. and they seem to have everything in that yeah you know maybe a, a space of about 12 by 12 it is it is mostly in like a like a like the shape of a pyramid a pentagon maybe you know and then yeah they have everything in that tent on an average how many people stay in this tent normally about three people so like like i said changpas is anybody who stays in changta mm-hmm. so and like giving an example of my friend who is a nomad itself right so from his family there are some people who will stay in the regular uh, in the village mm. and there, there are only about like a couple who go with the sheep so mostly it'll be two with the kids it's it's mostly family wise you know mm-hmm. uh, so you have a couple you have your kids that's it that's your tent mm-hmm. and uh, when you have kids the parents move out okay. they have a separate tent tent for themselves and they, they the kids if they're married they have a their tent for themselves okay. and between them they rear the sheep yeah but uh, yeah looks like they do take minimalism to the next level right in terms of um the way they're living and uh, it's heartening that they they are happy and uh, self sufficient in that way yes 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 although you know we we uh, associate pashmina with you know it's it's luxury. a luxury yeah. it's very high end mm-hmm. uh, the real pashmina goes up into lakhs actually yeah. would easily cost about uh, a lakh uh, that would be the starting price of the best of pashmina mm-hmm. but imagine like uh, we would think somebody who raises it would be very wealthy wealthy in terms of in terms of the city folk you know how we measure wealth sure. uh, <laughs> but uh, they're wealthy in a different sense they have to lead these lives in these harsh conditions and always keep moving mm. you know yeah. otherwise the goat does not you know it's 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 a irony yeah. that uh, you know you will have to lead the tough life to produce the best product and and the and the fun part is they don't get to wear the pashmina right <laughs> they have sheep wool and yak wool that they use yeah and uh, and the finest pashmina is you know is what we wear yeah yeah no that is a bittersweet kind of a thing um, but i was <clears throat> just saying that um, you need to in in order to rear these um, goat and sheep you have to live in those uh, really arid uh, literally cold desert right uh, that changtang yes is. Yes 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 it is uh, you when you are there you will know why it is called a cold desert yeah. <laughs> it is a desert in such because you, there's there's no green the only green you see is the grass otherwise it it is all brown yeah and uh, there are no trees at all we are much above the tree line so you know even even to go to the loo it's so it's such a, it's a problem you know mm-hmm. when we are camping of course we have a loo tents yeah but the nomads you you'll have to use the curvature of the earth oh my god to hide yourself yeah um, because there are hardly you know there are like every place we went had about uh, 20 to 30 families mm-hmm. and each family have maybe a maximum of 3 to 4 mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. so you can imagine the population of that mm-hmm. and they stay there maximum for about 25 days to about 2 and 1/2 months mm-hmm. depending how rich the grassland is right. and then they move 
Right, right. And the goats will survive and produce the best pashmina only when they move yep. in these uh, very high altitude. And sometimes uh, there are places where we camped, which was at 5,000 meters. Mm-hmm. 5,000 meters would be the base camp of a climbing mountain. Mm. It's very high. And you walk a few steps and you'll know why, you know, why you're panting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And these people will be running behind the goats. And, you know, they're like superhuman <laughs> at that altitude. <laughs> And there are old people, you know, people who are like 65, 70, 80 years, who will be completely at home at this place. Mm. And, uh, you know, laughing away at, at how we are panting generally at, you know, at such altitudes. So uh, it's funny. It's funny. Wonderful. And Vishwas, what about uh, the language you communicate with? Is Would it be Hindi? Yeah, these people, uh, they understand very little Hindi, oh. you know, because once you go away from the main uh, trekking areas, a lot of them speak only Ladakhi or Tibetan. You know, and even the dialect is different. You know, the Changpa dialect is a little different from the regular Ladakhi. Mm-hmm. So I understand a little bit of Ladakhi. Uh, I can get by transactional, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I can live. <laughs> <laughs> we always always have locals with us. And uh, we always uh, try and take somebody from the nomad community. Mm-hmm. And we have a very good friend, uh, Namgyal, who is from um, the Nyoma side. Right. who was our local guide. That's how we communicated. Mm-hmm. But uh, apart from that, the sign language is the best way to communicate here. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's all in the eyes. Right. <laughs> and smile, I think, yeah. <laughs> when somebody comes with good faith, it is easy. In the end, uh, we get, get by. And some of them can speak broken Hindi, you know. Mm-hmm. They don't understand much. We always, we were key to find somebody who knew a little bit of Hindi. So it was fine. Mm-hmm. We, we were able to manage well. Okay. And we, of course, you know, we, we took a lot of vegetables and then uh, some sun, sunglasses, you know, as, you know, right. as gifts. I mean, they need them, of yeah. course. Right. And, uh, it goes to building that goodwill also, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And over time, you know, as we uh, continue the project, we would want to take, uh, without altering their lives too much, yeah. we would want to take something which will add value to their lives uh, sure. going up, you know. Uh, maybe a, a few gadgets, mm-hmm. uh, maybe uh, solar, maybe headlights. Mm. Uh, sun shades uh, and the main thing is vegetables yeah they they don't have fresh vegetables at all right, right so so they subsist on meat and some vegetables you know they they go once in a week or once in 15 days to get supplies so vegetables is a big thing for me and for even uh for, for a lot, lot of guests you know like when you go to somebody's house when you go back home you take sweets you take presents right. uh, you take vegetables <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wonderful. So, uh, Vishwas, before I start um, kind of wrapping this up, is there more about uh, your trip to the Changtang area that you wanted to talk about? So, I would say that anybody who experiences this, they should they should visit Changtang. But I say it with the uh, with, with that caution in my mind that oh my god, let it not become so yeah. clouded with tourists that you know that it loses the essence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's a very special trip, and uh, we would want to document their lives over time in different parts of Ladakh, in different seasons. It, and it is a great way to know how to live, sure. you know, mm-hmm. uh, how to learn minimalism. And apart from that, they, they even the people make for great portraits because you can see so much experience in their, in their faces and in their eyes, you know, the way they emote, you know, because they are always in harsh conditions and harsh surroundings. They can't win everything, you know. Mm-hmm. the end, they have to bow down to nature. Sure. And every day, they live in harmony with with how the nature is just from them from their eyes you can make out that you know they they've seen so much more of the world than we would ever see in terms of 
uh, harshness and extreme conditions yeah. they're always warm eventually yeah they they might start a little hostile because they they don't want and people encroaching or being intrusive yeah but in the end you know they are they're very warm at heart and because of the sun they look so so much more older than they actually are mm-hmm. like some of them like look like 200 years old <laughs> <laughs> the lines on their faces no yeah. and and they are amazing people to just just watch and, and learn and uh, we thoroughly enjoyed our tour Yeah. and uh, we look forward to more such uh, tours and uh, hosting people who are interested in their lives or just to visit such beautiful locales yeah brilliant and um, i really appreciate the fact that you were taking that extra step right to ensure that uh, you're not being too intrusive and um, it's it's a fine line i mean it is a very fine line and uh, you are working hard to maintain that so um, i really appreciate the fact that uh, you are taking the utmost care and that way also for me the the way you handle your trips that's been very different that's a big differentiator as well um but for uh, somebody looking for um a trip and adventure and um somebody looking to uh view the kind of trips that adventures and bad does your team does mm-hmm. um how does one find out what's the best way to find out more? we have a website we have a very good website uh, adventuresandbad.com okay. and uh, we are on facebook and instagram and uh, we have a pretty vibrant uh, a social media page also and we have the uh, necessary numbers and email addresses cool so, so you can make the inquiries through your um, social media pages right yeah website emails and social media anything anything works okay and we always limit our group sizes and this tour actually will be mostly limiting to 8 Okay. and not even go till 12 uh-huh. because suddenly you know a lot of people with such big cameras because most of the camera cameramen come with these huge uh, lenses mm-hmm. and uh, they could be you know even two two or three people inside a rebo tent yeah uh, yeah cool tent would be a lot sure. so we plan to limit that size too um, and keep it a little uh, exclusive yeah. for people who really want to see and experience uh, something unique absolutely and um, that's why i uh, also have to call out the fact that uh, you took utmost care not to be calling out specific uh, places or locations and uh, just covering the changthang area uh, in general right uh, so so that way we're trying to avoid commercialization also it's it's um, not something that will bode very well with the nomadic tribes too so i appreciate that fact too and uh, i'd like to thank you vishwas uh, thanks a bunch for uh, taking time out and um, sharing this wonderful experience that you had in the Changtang region with the Changpas and uh, uh, the beautiful pashmina right that gives like a back story to uh, this luxury uh, fabric or luxury wool that um, a lot of us do uh, enjoy and love but um, we don't really even take the time out to think as to uh, what goes on behind uh, making of yeah. this wonderful wool right Thank you for sharing that story and it uh, almost felt like um, I wouldn't even say a different world it felt like uh, time travel right going back in time and uh, to a different planet even at times uh, given looking at some of the your pictures and the kind of arid landscape that the people live in so it's um, a complete different experience in that sense and uh, um, I would urge anybody looking at um, uh, I mean uh, such um, experiential travel more than anything right to check out adventuresandbad.com and Uh, yeah we have a wonderful leader in vishwas who's uh, like leading by example who's uh, <laughs> like walking <Thank> you. <laughs> 
uh, because that's what is missing in um, uh, the the new operators that are coming up. Everybody wants to. Everybody's running out of the money. Like uh, to put it in uh, like simple terms, that's what everybody's doing. But uh, here things are taken care of in terms of what the experience is, as well as trying to maintain the fine line and the fine um, balance in the existing ecosystem there, right? So thank you so yes, much. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, thank you so much, Vishwas. Sure, sure, sure. Thanks a lot, uh, Saif. I should say, you lay, thukje che, because <laughs> I am lay. <laughs> so it's been a pleasure uh, being hosted. And uh, I think this is a great initiative of uh, bringing, uh, you know, story of travelers to life. And uh, like you said, it put it yourself. You know, although we are on the same planet, we all look like different planets when you when you actually go visit them. And uh, someday, I would like to invite you both of you to you <laughs> yes, know to, the, to, to see what goes behind the fine uh, the the richest wool the fabric in the world. Uh, so it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot for this opportunity. Thank you, Julie. That was yet another great episode of The Vasafir Stories. If you guys like the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Audioboom, Savan, Pocket Casts, Castbox, Stitcher, or any other podcasting app available on iOS or Android. Please do leave us a review on iTunes. It goes a long way in the show's discoverability. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We go by the handle The Vasafir Stories. Or, if it suits you, you could email us at themosafirstories at gmail.com or visit our website at www.themosafirstories.com for more information. All of these links will be made available in the show notes section of each episode. So here's to more traveling, sharing and inspiring. Stay tuned for our next episode. Until then, happy travels and goodbye. Goodbye.